0: You are listening to the airing cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I am ready. Gosh, it's actually quite hot right now because um. The boilers just... Mm. Come on, isn't it? Mm. And... Oh. <laughs> I can't breathe! <laughs> so, hopefully we won't be disturbed. I've got an extra glass of port today because I've got a have got to admit an interest in this story. I know the rough outline of this person. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite intrigued to hear the full story. Yeah. And she told you one day, so... Yeah, but you also heard it, but you might not have heard it. No. Yeah, no. I know, and that's what so yeah. I'm looking forward to it, and that's why I've got an extra full glass support. So I know. far away. Well she was such a special lady. I really loved this lady. I knew her for quite a good few years. Um twenty probably, twenty five. And she was one of those people that stay with you always and she had a quite a big imprint on so many people's lives she was always surrounded by really young people people would be seeking a company and by by the time she reached the end of her life she actually was a very old lady and yet everybody wanted to go out with her and taking her out to the restaurant because she was so joyful she had an appetite for life and she had an appetite for for happiness. She knew how to draw the best out of every moment. By the end of her life what was interesting is that she started telling me more and more stories and it felt like she somehow wanted the story to be voiced things that she had gone through, things she had experienced and those stories were going to go with her and it's actually an interesting concept one of which that made me think about doing this Erin cupboard project stories if they are not told disappear when people go when people pass away and I felt somehow she would have liked to have some of her story voiced and I'm gonna just tell this one which is probably the most important one and is the story of a a marriage. She was born in Kent and grew up in the thirties in a small town. She had an older sister. She said her older sister was very beautiful and very accomplished. I suppose my friend was not a pretty woman, but she certainly was a very beautiful one because she had vibrancy and charm. Enjoy. Her sister and herself are out on a bicycle ride and going up to the slopes above the town and they realize that they are being followed by a group of boys, some of which she knows from sight but there is new faces in that group. And eventually they stop, they put the bicycle on the side of the road in the in the grass and the girls sit there, sort of half hoping that those boys might carry on following them and might strike a conversation with them. And indeed they do. So those boys arrive and they started chatting. And she said that was one boy that was just fantastic. He just had a broad smile and dark eyes looking at her and also looking at her sister and, um, but she thought it was a right piece of cake she really liked him and they chatted and they had good fun and secretly, obviously, she hoped that she might see the broad, smiled boy again and only the next day she was upstairs and the windows were open and she heard this creasing of a bike being pushed on the stone of the driveway and she heard a knock at the door downstairs. Her mother walked to the door, which was open, and started speaking to the person at the door, and she recognized the voice immediately. It was the broad smile boy from yesterday. Somehow, her heart sank because she sort of half knew he was probably coming for her sister, because usually boys were coming for her sister and then she heard her name he was asking permission to take her out and uh, amazingly her mother granted permission and the next day he came to pick her up and he was there with a small bouquet of forget-me-not and he was there to pick her up and they went off they went off on bicycles and they had an amazing two hours together and then he came back and came back and came back and slowly A romance started between them. She was besotted by him and she felt that he rather liked her too. Sadly though within that year the war broke out and um, young man obviously had to um, to enroll and he decided to enroll in the RAF and he was sent away on training and she didn't seem very much but they wrote to each other quite regularly and he would come back every so often and they would spend this time together the heart grew fonder and the relationship took on a different meaning and i suppose with the fear of this war i suppose they also felt like they had to live for now but he was not taking part into actions and he was in training and so she wasn't really scared or worried. And one day he came and he took her out um, on the fields above the town. They walked up there and through the footpath, and decided to lie down on the grass overlooking the town just next to a sty. And as she looked at the sty, she noticed this big white cat who must have followed them on their walk. And the cat was weaving itself in and out of the sty, scratching his sides on the wood of the sty. And then he told her training was over and he was sent into action. And she wouldn't see him for quite a long time. Obviously, we can only imagine what she felt at that time with probably the feeling that they would never be together again. And the image of the big cat stayed with her all her life, like a sad omen of bad news and sad times to come. And like everybody during the war, she half hoped for no news. Amazingly, he came back every so often. And when he came back, he would always first come to see her. At the end of the war, they were reunited. All their writing and all their longing for each other had made their relationship a lot stronger. They were older and they were ready to start on their relationship and he asked her to marry. And they were married in the local town. And as a honeymoon, they went into the big hotel in Canterbury. And they had three days cooped together in the hotel room. And she said it was probably the happiest days of her life. And so they set up home as a married couple in the local town. Happily, the war was over and he got a job, a local job, and he did really well. He was very nicely appreciated in his work and was earning decent money very quickly. And then the children started coming rather quickly. One and then three. And before they knew they found themselves with three children under three. And because he was earning very good money and she was quite busy with this very young family, when the twins were 18 months, he kindly got a nanny to come and help in the house. And she wasn't a local girl she came from quite a distance she was a friend of a friend and recommended by someone and a sweet girl and she came and moved in with them and she helped her with the raising of the children and the running of the house and life went on and one day she was having tea with a sister and a mother and as she's leaving her sister took her outside and closed the front door behind her and there in front of the house, she spoke to her and she said, I must say to you what is being discussed and gossiped about in town. Everybody is speaking about the fact that your husband is having an affair with the nanny. This she could not believe. They were very, very close indeed. She accepted that maybe, and obviously their relationship had stretched a little bit with the arriving of all the children and him being so busy in his work and her being so busy with the children and the house. And But they were still very close. He could not possibly be having an affair with the young nanny. And she walked home with a very heavy heart and somehow her sister had put a great doubt in her heart and she needed to speak to him. She knew he would dissipate her doubt immediately and she hurried home and as she arrived home, there, in front of her house, on the pavement, was a big white cat sunning itself in the evening sun. She shooed him away and walked indoors. And there he was, standing tall, with his broad smile, and he looked at her, and he must have understood something had happened. They went to sit in the front room together, closed the door, and the conversation didn't last very long. But he was an honest man, and he just had to tell her the truth. The affair had started just in a ridiculous fashion. He was so sorry. And he promised her that it had no incidents on what they had together. And he promised her that it was over and it hadn't last and it, it hadn't mattered. But she sat there, listless and empty and broken. Within that short time of having a conversation with him, she lost sense of herself. She didn't know who she was anymore. And when you do not know who you are anymore, there is suddenly some room there for somebody else to take control over your life. And within a few hours, she had called her mother in tears. She had spoken to her sister. And before she knew it, She was sitting in her sister's car, and her three children, sitting in the back, carted away from her home with him, back to her mother's house. Things moved on really fast. Before she knew it, there was a lawyer involved, there were court papers, there were no contact with him at all. Somehow, he never called, somehow... He never seems to come to the door. Or maybe he did. But she never got to see him. She just stayed there in bed. And she had no more control over her life. Somebody else had control over her life. And organized things for her. And she found herself divorced. From him. Just like that. And life went on. She set up in a small home... In the center of town closer to the children's school so it would be easier for her to deal with things and very weirdly life started again and he wasn't there anymore life without him but life went on a year passed and she healed and she started laughing again and she started courting again and eventually she found herself married she didn't have children with this gentleman, but she was happy and life went on. Year passed, grandchildren came and all sorts of other stories and adventures, which I'm not going to speak about it here. And she grew into a, a, an older woman and that's probably the time that I met her. She used to love spending time with, with young people and so we would often scoop her out and take her to the pub or take her to the restaurant. And that was a night when we were driving to a place where we were going to have a meal with friends. And she was in my car, in the passenger seat, and as usual, she was telling me a story. And that time we had been speaking about her marriage story, the one I've just told you. I was quite puzzled by the fact there was still so much love in her voice when she was speaking about him and no anger. And I asked her and I said, you know, obviously you had a big breakdown when you found out he was having an affair and you lost control. And I suppose that's normal. When you're in a crisis, you you react in a certain way. But now with age, years and hindsight, do you think you would have done the same thing do you think you would have left the home within a few hours and never discussed this further with him and, and and eventually divorced him and she said dear of course not i love them with every bone of my body of course i would have forgiven him and i'm going to tell you something dear. and i'm there driving the car The wipers are on and I have to concentrate, but all I want to hear is a story. And she said, nobody actually knows this. Not very long after our divorce, we decide that we should meet up because we should be speaking about our children's education and how to bring them up. They were still our children. He asked me to meet up in the big hotel in Canterbury the one where we had had our honeymoon and we met up there there and it was as if nothing had changed and the amazing thing that she went on telling me is that every year after this they met on the wedding anniversary in the big hotel in Canterbury. They both had their lives, but they carried on meeting together. Now, I don't really know what happened between them, and it's not really for us to know, but I loved the fact that the story was not over. By that time we have arrived, and I'm parked in the car park in the rain, with the wipers going, and And I said to her, one thing that intrigues me, you know, the bad omen of the white cats. You know, what? do you still have this fear of the white cat? And she said, oh dear, that's funny. But no, not at all. And she said, in actual fact, when I set up my home with my new husband, we bought this little house in town. It was part of a row of houses. And at the back, you had a little yard. It wasn't very long after we had moved in there it was a big white cat jumped over the fence and came sunning himself right there in front of the back door and then only a few minutes later another white cat appeared and walked through my backyard as if he had always owned it and you know what every day For a good few years, I saw those two big white cats and I've actually grown to rather like them. So no, I don't think the white cats are a bad omen for me anymore and in actual fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a big white cat sunning itself on his grave right now. (laughs) I just love her. She was full of life and full of joy. Mm-hmm. I'm glad she had a, a, bit of, a bit of happiness at the end. Oh, she had a lot of happiness in between. Mm. Well, that was lovely to hear that. No, no. Thank, Thank you. you.